coming up, Diedrich Bader joins Ileana in just a minute. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, it's the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast, starring Ileana Douglas. Eavesdrop with Ileana as she interviews Hollywood's most prominent players about filmmaking, acting, and what really happens on the set of your favorite flicks and TV shows. Hello, everyone. It's Ileana Douglas with the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast. My lovely co-host here in yellow. Hi, everybody. Berg. No comment about the dress. It's beautiful. I it's know. Gorgeous. Well, maybe because maybe I got it from somebody it was a special present for my table. But I love it. It looks gorgeous i love it myself you look gorgeous thank you you sound a little um sound better yeah a lot better oh thank you a lot better than you did uh i was i was thinking of uh like a you know do i have the lauren bacall it's still a little bit too nasally to be like lauren bacall are you talking about (laughs) like that maybe shortly after you blow your nose it works yes um so our topic today very interesting uh on my sick bed because i'm um directing this movie you know you you have to do these things called lookbooks yes god help us um in which you it's surreal because you can't i'm so verbose you have to in a succinctly of talk about movies you like and what your movie is going to be what like. What your inspirations are. Yes. And uh, except that you have to uh, kind of put it in two or three sentences. Right. And so it was, I thought it was, it took me all day, but it was a sort of a fascinating, interesting, uh, fascinating, interesting, a fascinating uh, experiment yeah. in terms of distilling what kind of stories I like. Yes. And so what I came what I came up with is that everything that I have written um myself, you know, my own things that I've directed are all about um finding out sort of who you are through connections or through risk or through what happens to you when the rug is pulled out from under you mm-hmm. and adversity uh, yeah how 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 i i like stories where people don't want to change <laughs> they're not you know it's not like they 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 want to change in their life and they change i think that there's something hilarious about people who to fear change who don't want to do anything different but of course are are thrust forced into it yeah through you know the rug being pulled out and somebody dies or you get fired from your job mm-hmm. and that through having the courage to do something, you are rewarded. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that seemed to be the theme in a lot of the, a lot of the things that I have uh, done, you know, um, like easy to assemble, you know, putting yourself together right. is, is that the idea is that the, you know, the character just wants to be anonymous. She doesn't want to be famous anymore. She's just like, I just want to work in an Ikea and be a cog in the wheel of a workplace. Yeah. And that because of that, she's thrust back into the spotlight and is kind of forced in, in a way to go back into show business. It's like, you you know, you, she have a, you know, having this gift that other people see, but she doesn't see it in her in herself. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, it was a lot of fun actually working on that, you know, on that theme. I don't know if that's too, uh, 
esoteric or deep. I sort of wondered about that afterwards. I'm like, is anyone going to understand that? And then at the end, I just said, and I like to make people laugh. (laughs) 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 After all the deep thinking. Absolutely. And I I really like to make people laugh. But uh, but I think that that's the you know the basis of a lot of comedy is the is is pathos. Um, also, well, I mean, yeah, they always talk about how you know the the most interesting things happen uh, you know in TV and film through conflict, and so that's you know that's kind of what you're saying. I I need to change. I'm being required to change, but don't want to. Well, that's a big conflict. Yes, you know, I you expect one thing, and the, one of my favorite episodes I did was uh, finding north of easy to assemble and again my character is working to be she wants to beat justine bateman so she's going to be famous and popular and and be co-worker of the year and then she finds out that the prize is that she's got to ride through the Uppsala forest <laughs> to receive a bag of chocolate from the head of ikea like it's nothing it's a spiritual journey <laughs> That's like the last thing on earth she wants is a spirit. She was like, I thought it was going to be famous. And so, but of course, by going on the journey and she just gets so much more out of it than she had uh, anticipated. That she ever thought she could. But um, you, hey, where where can people watch Easy to Assemble? Is it? I think that you can watch it on on uh, YouTube. Is that right? Yeah, okay. I've been asked over the years. I wish I could to put it all into DVD form and and put it out there on Netflix and all of that. But um, I think that uh, I think you get into residuals and things like mm. that. So as long as it's up on YouTube and people can watch it for free. Um, and you know, and enjoy it. I will. Uh, I will look for it and um, put it on our website. Which, in case you guys don't know, is ilianaspodcast.com. So yes, you can find us on YouTube. Yes, you can find us on iTunes. But if you want more information, like people's links, who else has been on the show, things yes. like this, we also have um, movies that you recommend. You recommend. Got to do more recommendations. Like yeah, you do. We haven't updated that in a little while. Way so, behind. Ilianaspodcast.com. Check out the blog. There's lots of stuff there. I'm way behind with the. Recommend, recommendations are. of uh, of films. I'm uh, in the process of receiving one of your recommendations. It's in the mail right now because I do still do DVDs on Netflix because there's movies yeah. that you can only get that way mm-hmm. at certain times. So Maudie is on its way oh, to me, Maudie. which I'm really looking forward to seeing. Yeah, Maudie is the incredible movie. Yeah. Although I I cried for like <laughs> I couldn't sleep. I cried so much oh my God. doing that. And then the other thing, just very briefly, without getting too heavy, is um, my, uh, speaking of easy to assemble, my my dear friend Michael Rapino, who passed away, and uh, I w- had to write his, which I've never had to do. Uh, it's surreal trying to write a memorial uh, service for your for your best friend, yeah. and trying to uh, kind of you know keep it to get, keep it together to to write again in in a few paragraphs Sum it's like up. you just want yeah. to look at the audience and go this is insane how am i supposed to do this yeah of course like go have a drink everyone but um but these are things that we must do to honor our you know to honor our um our friends and so and their lives and their work and their contributions and his you know so he speaking since we're speaking of easy to assemble you can certainly watch him as the as hysterically as lance crap he was always my kind of buster keaton um you know kind of silent uh film actor on easy to assemble and he was so popular 
on the show and at Ikea that, you know, they, everyone else, they were like, they thought we were actors. The people at Ikea... Thought he just, was the guy. Yeah, they took Michael for... That was their favorite character in the show. And, you know, they used to have Michael out there in his synthetic wig in Burbank, you know, greeting people at yeah. the door. He was just unbelievable. And he knew where everything was in the store. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. So he was absolutely uh, sort of silly. But anyway, you can watch the great Michael Arpino on that. Uh, yeah, I will He's put the links assemble. on our website. And let's bring in... Let's um, do it. Diedrich Bader... Who I have known since the Drew Carey show, um, which he was one of the stars of. Of course, uh, currently, you may know Dietrich, how funny is he, on uh, Veep and uh, American Housewife. Of course, the Drew Carey show. And uh, all your cult films, Napoleon Dynamite, of course. How could we forget that office space? I'm still talking about you. Bobby Sensei. He's, he's voiced characters for, from such animated shows as BoJack Horseman. These are the, now you've lost me. Tangled the series, Justice League. I'm not a big animation person. Okay. Milo Murphy's Law. But please welcome Dietrich Bader. And I haven't seen you in, in, a, in a while. Yeah, so thank I know. you. Last time I saw thank you it was for, at Paul's party. Thank you for doing this. Oh, I'm so delighted to do this. Um, I love your book. Well, wait, I was just reading you. it out there. Really, you, it's you, really engagingly well written. Oh, thank you. I, I really enjoy it. Thank uh, you. you. About your first, I was reading about your first time in working with Robert De Niro yes. on Goodfellas and having the one line and trying to hit your <sighs> line out of the park. And did, did you ever have that? Were you just a bad actor? Um, yeah, I did. It's like after all the tra- <laughs> no, I mean because it's you, if you read in the book, I mean uh, uh, Sanford Meisner, neighbor. Play. I mean, their yeah, training right. was like as if it were in the fifties, and we're all leftist communists. Yeah. You know, I mean, various. And then cut to I'm a horrible bad yeah. actor, and Robert De Niro's well, I was getting a, at me. Uh, I was cast in uh, Dracula. <laughs> what the, with Francis Ford no. Coppola's Dracula with okay. Anthony Hopkins, and he? Can I just launch right into it? Please. We've already started. All right, so please. Um, so I play the Dutch student, and um, my line is, but Dr. Van Helsing, you have yet to explain your theory, like that. And I guess because of my name, they just thought I was German or something, and I came in and I had this whole speech before, yeah. like for the audition piece. Yeah. A lot of people don't know this, but in a lot of features, they don't do this, they do this less in television, I used to say. In features, though, like if you have one line, they give you like a, a chunk to memorize. Yes. And so when you get it, you think... Oh, I'm going to, it's kind of a big part. Like, I'm going to be working with Anthony Hopkins. I've got this big line. That's great. That's not it. It's That's that one little thing. Um, but anyway, uh, so I was intimidated to be working with Anthony Hopkins. But my day went, um, how much time do we have? It's kind of a long story. Go. We have All an right. hour. Got an hour. All right. So, um, so I'm getting my sideburns on and the trailer, you know, and I'm it's already great. And we got the middle part. I had more hair then, so I could do the middle part. And Winona Ryder walks in. She looks at me, looks completely thrown, and leaves the trailer. And uh, then before I know it, like a PA comes in, he's sweating. And he goes, um, Diedrich. I go, yeah. He goes, is there any way you could not be here? And I go, I could leave. I mean, that's one way to do it. And he goes, that'd be great. That'd be great. So then I was like, okay. And the makeup lady was like, all right, but I only have one sideburn on. <laughs> so I walk out and I go out of the trailer and I go to, like, to the corner of the studio, right? And at that time, uh, I smoke cigarettes. And so I was having a smoke and standing on the thing. Winona Ryder comes out of her trailer. And she sees me. 
And she goes, she kind of jumps a little bit, goes back into her trailer, slams the door. I'm like, that was weird. <laughs> and, uh, and, she, uh, and, she, and then I hear like the AD, I mean the uh, PA goes, boom, 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 over to her trailer. And goes, this one. And I see him look over at me and I'm like, huh, what's happening over there? Oh, <laughs> and then he goes, like that, does a little nod, closes the door and comes over to me and he goes, is there any way you could not be here? And I'm like... Well, yeah, I could, li- but you know, I am supposed to work today. At some point, I need to go and do. We'll do your makeup on the set. I'm like, okay, fine, yeah, that's fine. So I go in, they finish my makeup on the set, and uh, so they're putting on the thing, and I hear two PAs converge over me, and they go, "Winona Ryder went home." I, went, I don't know, something threw him. I threw her. I don't know what happened. I was like, oh, I hope I don't get fired. <laughs> oh no, I don't know what happened. So anyway, um, Anthony Hopkins, who's extremely gracious. Comes over and he is—he has this German accent, you know. And he goes, "I heard that you are playing little student." So I think, "Oh, we're both going to do <gasps> Dutch accents or German accents." So I just go, "Yeah, I—I am uh, playing the Dutch student. It's a real pleasure to meet you. My name is Dietrich, and uh, uh, I can't believe I, that I have the chance to meet you." And he goes, "Ah, well, I'm very, very glad to meet you as well." And so we're both talking in these German accents the whole time, and then um, then we start shooting, and. Um, I have the one line, uh, and then uh, and then it's like we have this classroom that goes up, up, up. And there's a lot of extra uh, atmosphere, I should say. Nobody says extras anymore, and um, uh, and then everybody sort of like gives a little applause at the end or something. Like, no, that's right. All right, so so I go, but Doctor Van Helsing, you have yet to explain your theory, and he goes, I'm glad you asked because after, and then boom, 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 this extra comes in and hands him a telegraph. And he's supposed to open it and read it. Mm-hmm. Then you do an insert shot of him, of the guy saying, "You got to come to London because mm-hmm. uh, you know all kinds of crazy things are happening." So he, the prop guy, put too much wax on the thing, right? <laughs> Sealing wax. To see, yeah, to seal yeah. it, right? So he goes, "What is this?" To the extra, and the extra goes, "It's a telegraph." <laughs> and he goes, "Ah, a telegraph," and opens it. Another thing, and then the end of the shot. Coppola comes out of his trailer. Comes kind of like the end, and he goes, "I love that, loved it." And he goes, "Oh, you did?" And and he goes, "Yes, I, I loved it so much because this is a man of technology. This is um, new technology. He's kind of acknowledging the fact that that uh, the telegraph has come and changed now. You know, into his classroom, which was, was, was before this reserved space, and now science has changed all of that. I love it." And and he goes, "Yeah, I liked it very much as well." Uh, <laughs> so then the next time, the extra. Is ready this time, right? And he's got a German accent all of a sudden, too. Oh, no. I guess he got a bump up or whatever. He's figuring in his head, like, now I'm in the movie with Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> and uh, so he comes in and he goes, uh, uh, I do my line, which is now really diminished in my eyes. So I go, but Dr. Van Helsing, if you have to explain your theory, I'm waiting for Coppola to come up and say anything. It'd be great, but no, nothing. And he goes, uh, the extra comes on, hands him, and he goes, what is this? And the guy goes, a telegram. A telegram. Hmm. Oh. A telegram <laughs> pops it open. So, like, cut to I don't know how many takes, 15, 20 takes later. This is now my line is basically forgotten. I'm just setting up the guy that comes in and says the telegraph. And he goes, What is this? Like that. And the guy goes, A telegraph. And he goes, A telegraph. <laughs> 
and then turns to all the extras and goes, a telegraph! And they all go, ha, ha, ha. Like, it's the funniest thing everybody, anybody ever heard of. And they, they rap on their desk like that. Apparently, that was a Dutch thing to do. I don't know. Somebody is an expert somewhere? I don't know. But we're all rapping on our desks and laughing at the telegraph. Then Coppola comes back out and goes, uh, cut the telegraph bit. You, oh. to the extra, say nothing. That was it. Walks back. <laughs> and then I was like, uh, so, so we sat down for a little bit. And I went, uh, that was very strange how that all transpired uh, to Anthony Hopkins. And he goes, yeah, that, uh, I thought we were going somewhere with it. But then, uh, then it went nowhere. And now I don't think it's going to be in the picture. And I went, that's sad. And he goes, yeah. Where in uh, Germany are you from? <gasps> and I went, oh, I'm from Alexandria, Virginia. <laughs> Never spoke to me again. <laughs> That was it. I was out. He thought I was conning him the whole time. I guess I was, but I really didn't intend to. I thought, oh, we're kind of, we're doing our technique That's what together. We're doing. That's yeah. what we do. That's how we're rolling right now. Yeah. But no, he was really mad at me. And then I was cut out of the movie. So if you watch Dracula, I'm not even in it. They invited me to premiere, which in retrospect was really nice. At the time, completely devastated because I wasn't in the picture. And I went with a girl. Ugh. It's a date. It's and you didn't too. know until the premiere, right? Had no idea. Yeah. I was like, my scene's coming up. Me too. The scene's yeah. coming up. Here it comes. It oh. goes. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen Anthony Hopkins since? No, I never have. I wish. Would you I doubt he remember me. You know, it'd be so funny because in my experience, because I've had things like this happen. Okay. Jason Lee. I've told this story many times. Right. I had a funny interaction many years ago with Jason Lee yeah. at an airport. At, extremely memorable. Okay. And years later... How could I, it not be? It's you. Oh, come on. It's Leona Douglas. And years later, I was at a, a, a party. Yeah. And uh, Dave Merkin, who's been a guest, guest here, said, yeah. Jason, do you know Eliana? I said, oh, I know Jason... We met at an airport. Yeah. I started telling the story. Jason goes, I've never met you before in my life. So I, you know, so you know. Not only is it a denial, it's a smackdown denial. Exactly. So it's I, a you're little a, intense. You're a liar. Like that's aggressively, <laughs> it's an verges on root. Yeah. So. Uh, I think it goes past that. I think it goes right into root. So, root. It's so go I'm, I'm just curious if like if you, huh. I could just see you going, uh, Anthony, I got this very funny, funny story. Funny story about you, yeah. I'd just be like, I don't know who you are. Well, you know, I was doing a radio tour. I had just finished uh, Miss Congeniality 2. Mm-hmm. And you know those radio tours. They start you at like four in the morning. Oh. You know, you have to do the East Coast Drive, right? Yeah. So you get up. It's very early. Yeah. So we're getting up to be like 7, 7.30 or something like that. I've been at it for three and a half hours. I haven't gone to the bathroom. Um, and they decide William Shatner's in the picture as well. So they're like, all right, so we're going to be in, uh, I don't know, Colorado or something next. Mm-hmm. I go, great. Uh, they want to patch you in with uh, Shatner. I go, oh, that'd be fantastic. I'd love that. And uh, so he, uh, he gets on. <laughs> can't remember me. Has no memory of me at all. I'm like, uh, we, had, we had dinner together with Sandy. No. No. Yeah. And he goes, uh, I go, we, we, had, we had many, many days together. We were together for close to a month. He goes, no, no, I don't, uh, I don't remember. I played the gay guy in the picture. I haven't seen it. Okay, well. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then I decided just to go for it. So I went, don't you remember after the dinner, we decided we'd go for a ride together? And he goes, no, no, I, I really don't. I don't remember that. I go, yeah, you remember. I took a picnic. No. No, I took, we had champagne under the tree. We were overlooking Vegas. You don't remember that at all? I can, and I went, I can't believe it. How dare you? And I hung up the phone. That's hysterical. Went to the bathroom. 
you know, the phone was ringing when I got back. And the publicist said, are you all right? I'm so sorry that Shatner didn't. I went, oh, it's fine. I'm fine. I had really had to go to the bathroom, and I couldn't figure out a way to get out of talking anymore. Because I've been talking for two and a half yeah. hours. Forever. Anyway. So uh, I, I expect people not to remember. Uh, what happened with Renona Ryder? Oh, I, that's the end of the story. I never heard anything about it. You don't know. It. I deeply threw her. I'm not even sure why. I have no it's, idea why. And have you ever run into her since? Jason Lee. I'm just saying. It's going to be... <laughs> no, I don't think I have. Well. I'm trying to remember. I think okay. I've seen her at a party, but I... But To you, I want to ask the most important show business question. Right. The... For many, many, many years, I would never tell stories like this, like about Jason Lee, because I'd be like, oh, God, you can't, you know. You, what if we work you, together? Yeah. What if he's the star of a show, knows that I told this story, and he's going to shoot me down? Once I wrote the book, yeah, it just you, was like, you, you go, I don't care anymore. It's funny. Anymore. It's a funny it's story. Funny. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny, and who cares? Did you ever, did you reach that point? I'm there now. I'm I there mean, right now. I mean, this is the spot. You're the, the exact <laughs> moment where I'm going to burn all the bridges. The nadar. Yeah. There is a point to where be mean. Well, no, no. Also, there's a point where um, you're you kind of know that it has less to do with any of the things that you used to think were important, and more to do with the the project itself. And yeah. Um, so uh, so whether or not you tell a story about somebody being rude to you doesn't it really means nothing. Yeah. Um, and also uh, also really who cares? It's better to tell the story and feel good about yourself rather than feel like you're keeping a secret all the time. I you think know? so. Yeah. Well, plus, you, just to get it out there and have it be funny. Yeah, absolutely. And you know? to know that it's funny. You're, you're a funny person. <gasps> that Anthony, I'm going to remember that for as long as I live. That's his... So, so mad at me. His... St- <laughs> so very mad at me. Where in Germany are you from? Where in Germany are you from? Or Badach, he would say. He would say, Badach, of course. That didn't go anywhere. No, no, really. I love, I love that. Oh, my God. I can, I I can. I'm from Alexandria, Virginia. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So let's go. We're going to go back to Virginia. Yeah. Where you grew up. Do you, do you remember? I know a little bit about that. You like silent films and stuff. But do you, would you remember the first movie you saw and who took you to see it? I don't remember the first uh, film I ever saw. I know that it was a black and white old movie mm-hmm. um, because that's really all I ever saw. When we lived in Paris is when I kind of came into my consciousness. And um, so it was either a Fred Astaire picture mm-hmm. uh, because I just love those desperately or, um, uh, or um, uh, I'm sorry, or um, the Marx Brothers. Yes. I loved Harpo a lot. Yes, well, that's a, yeah. It's, it's funny. I gravitated towards Groucho Marx, but so he was he, very funny. But I loved the mute characters more yeah. than anything. I loved those that couldn't express themselves uh, mm-hmm. any other way other than just through silence. Because I had basically just learned English, and then yeah. we moved to France. I know, and I was thrown into the deep water, and everybody spoke French except me and my family, and and that was it. And, yeah. Uh, um, and I never really picked it up, if I'm completely honest. I, you know, like enough to get by. Right. But, uh, but I was really deeply alienated right from the start, and it was uh, it was through those silent characters that I I I found a way of expressing myself. And so, but my absolute favorite, um, I've never actually told the story on camera, so I'm sort of excited about it. Oh, cool! So um, my absolute favorite was Charlie Chaplin. That combination of physical oh. comedy and sentiment was something that really appealed pathos. To me. Yeah, the pathos, because I mean, if pound for pound, probably Keaton is funnier, but uh, but. 
uh, Chaplin has a great storyteller. And yeah. he has such heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the thing that really got me when I was a kid. And when I was little, you know, um, we weren't the most effusive families in uh, in the world. We're all kind of academics. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I assume that if this incident hadn't happened, I'd probably be an academic right now. Um, ironically, now I play one on television. But um, I had worked out a little Charlie Chaplin act in my room. Uh, when I say my room, it was really where my brother and I slept. But when he was not in the room, I worked on my Charlie Chaplin act. I never did it for my parents or anything like that because I was afraid that they would make fun of me. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, there was a theater that was throwing, uh, that, uh, that was showing my, um, uh, throwing, sorry, I'm telling this badly, showing a Chaplin uh, picture, but they, uh, it was my favorite theater in Paris because they had live musical accompaniment. So they mm-hmm. had a, an organ player that would improvise to the film. And I really loved it. When I was five, that was like the greatest thing that ever happened. I would watch the two of them like yeah. interact with each other. And I just loved the guy that played it. Um, my um, mother's best friend, Audrey Schur, took me. And um, the film caught and burned. And everyone booed. And the lights came up. And I jumped up, and I ran in between the uh, crowd and the screen, and I did my little Charlie Chaplin act. Which was what? Well, it was like, you know, the pantomime, and then, you know, the, doing the walking around, and yeah. pretending like I had a cane, and then picking up the, pretending like a flower and smelling it, whatever, uh, pantomime. Yeah. Act. And then at the end, I did a roll. But oh. the organ player played. That was the great thing. Oh, so my he, God. He, he knew me because I yeah. always came up and said I was a fan or whatever. But So he played for me. Oh, my God. And, um, and the audience uh, just went a little bit nuts. Yeah. And especially the old guy in the front who was saying, bravo, bravo. I'll never forget it. Although I did forget it. And then I saw Charlie, the Chaplin movie with um, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning of the picture... His mother has a psychotic episode on stage, and the audience starts booing. He's like five, mm-hmm. and he goes, "Nobody's going to, you know, boo my mother." And he jumps up and he does a pantomime act, and I went, ha, ha, he, ha! "Recovered memory, totally recovered the whole thing," because um, it was the incident that made me an actor. That is the most profound incident in my life, but yeah. I had forgotten it. Oh my god! And it all came back to me, like crashing back to me. So I asked my mother. I came home and I went, "I." just had the most profound memory. You have to tell me if I'm completely making it up or if this really happened. She goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Audrey took you. Hmm, yeah, that was a while ago. And I go, yeah, yeah, no, 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 I know. But it was a big, big deal for me. And she goes, yes, no, that happened. Um, that was, you know, my mother was not the most sentimental person in the world. So she was like, yes, it happened. Um, but, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so movies made me in a way um, realize that I was an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't a moment like I think I could do better than them, mm-hmm. but it was that uh, how how fun it is to come up with something that's both learned and spontaneous, and do it in front of a crowd and have them respond. Do you uh, do you like uh, some of the later Chaplin movies like Limelight? Yeah. Yeah. I sure. Mean, I do. I love Mr. Verdot or whatever. And the other one yeah. is the last one where he's a murderer. It's always brilliant. Yeah, he's great. I mean, you know, he. Uh, um, he was uh, truly remarkable. Mm-hmm. I, I wish that Keaton had had the length of career that uh, um, the Chaplin ended up having. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was obsessed with um, um, Charlie Chaplin for a very long time. When my parents went to Switzerland, I was like, "Did you see? Did you see Chaplin?" 
this was still alive at this point. They were like, no. <laughs> Flummoxed. Was... Why would you go to Switzerland if you weren't going to meet Charlie Chaplin? But, uh, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was deeply affecting to me. And then old movies have stayed in my life in a, in a very real way. We, mm-hmm. we generally just watch those uh, with the kids. And, uh, and, uh, and then my wife and myself, I, I can watch the same movie over and over again. I could watch His Girl Friday um, forever. I yeah. Could just, I, could just, I, could not, I could not watch anything else. And I could watch that a gajillion times. You talking to me? Yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. I feel the same way. Well, I feel like on Veep, you've got some uh, His Girl Friday overlapping dialogue. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of that has to do with nobody really knows their lines, so they're not even sure when the cues are. Did uh-huh. you, you do Veep? I can't remember. No, I would uh, love to. It's my, I, my, I think it's the best show on television. Agreed. Um, when it was run by Armando, you would mm-hmm. get the script on the day that you would shoot. Oh, my God. So they would just call everybody. We had yeah. no idea what we were going to say. Right. And so a lot of the stepping on each other's lines is you think your line is coming up, but it was a little it was a little after the time that you thought it was. So, right. Yeah. So some, and then she's such a great improviser that she would just roll with whatever you did. It yeah. Was, that's a fun show to do. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's like, yeah, again, that's like the Yankees. Oh, yeah. Okay. I want to go back in time. Okay. I, ha- I must mention that your great-grandfather was the mayor of Atlantic City. My great-grandfather was the mayor of Atlantic City, Ed, Ed Bader. Um, some uh, ascribe the um, Miss America contest creation to him mm-hmm. um, because he was uh, – he kind of greenlit – the Miss Neptune contest, which was Ooh. the precursor. Yeah. Um, uh, what I heard, and this is family lore, so perhaps it's apocryphal, uh, that he wanted to keep people a week past Labor Day. And um, because everybody left at Labor Day. Right. And he would go to the beach with his wife and realize that while he was trying to hide that he was looking at women walk down the beach, mm-hmm. his wife was also looking at women walk down the beach. That was his big revelation, that women look at women just as men look at women. Uh-huh. In fact, maybe even more. They're constantly judging each other. And right. so he thought, who are the people that actually make the decision of how long they're going to stay at Atlantic City? Is it the guy? No. It's the wife. She's going to stay if there's a beauty contest because wow. she's going to want to go and yeah, watch it. If you look at the numbers of the beauty contests, yeah. there are very few straight guys watching the show. <laughs> I think well, when you're a little girl. That's yeah, like, when you're just, a little girl, but also oh God, when you're a woman, you're, you're curious. You want to watch. It's just part of it. And so uh, so he made it a week after Labor Day, and that's why it was historically that uh, date. And do you have great pictures and I do. photographs from that era? God, I do, yeah. I do. Um, I actually have a collection of old photos that oh. I put in Trampart frames uh-huh. uh, around my house, especially in this one gallery. I wish I had a picture of the pictures. But, uh, but yeah, so it's a two-part uh, collection, this Trampart frames and these old pictures. Did he have any association with either gangsters or show business people because it was Atlantic City? Right. He had very little association with um, showbiz folk, but he did have, as anyone would, uh, associations with gangsters. But he was very strict on them um, in stark contrast to how he's depicted in um, Boardwalk Empire. Uh-huh. Um, in Boardwalk Empire, my uh, great-grandfather is slandered. Wow. Um, one of the reasons that I didn't do Boardwalk Empire was that I saw the way that he was going to be portrayed, and I did not want to be a part of that. Because um, I, although I would have been very happy to work with uh, Scorsese, yes. Um, did you? I, what, why didn't they fix that? I mean, that, that because the story is uh, everyone is corrupt; it's just a matter of price, right? And so. Reality would betray that. I mean, look when you portray when you portray gangsters, mm-hmm. um, 
sometimes you're like in Goodfellas, you're telling the real story. A lot of times, you, like in The Sopranos, you're telling stories based on on based on something, but it's not true. Right. So you can say whatever you want, mm-hmm. but when you're telling a historical story, yeah, there. I mean, you know, it's not like you're betraying a Nazi. If you if he was a Nazi, you could probably say whatever you want about him, and right. I'd be like, well, yeah, he's a Nazi, so go for it. <laughs> but he wasn't. So he was the mayor of Atlantic City. He was not corrupt. In fact, yeah. if anything, he was he was against corruption. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, so so uh, I was uh, miffed. Yeah, I, um, as well. Yeah, you should be. I think it's, I think it's reasonable. Oh um, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. That, they must have come as such a shock to them that when you said that anyone would pass, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> you, said, you know, it's actually not the way it happened. Yeah, right. Yeah, I've been sent sometimes things about my grand. My grandmother was a politician. Yeah, and my and about my grandfather that are completely. She was the first elected official from California. Is that a, a, yeah, a female? And, and there was there's a. Um, I believe it was Abe Polanski, I think it was uh-huh. a writer, wrote okay. something and was like, This is complete fiction. This yeah, it's is nasty not, and slanderous and is, he just that's the story he wanted to tell and fit the That happens a lot. And there's again pretty and, and they sent it to me again, like, Would you help us get this thing uh, yeah. off the ground? You know, no. slandering your grandparents. Yeah, right. <laughs> no. Only have the one family. There's lots of shows. <laughs> I know. Lots of shows. Only the one family. Well, I love I love history. Um okay, so then when you get back so how quickly did you want to think that you could go into show business because you're very you're a great storyteller. Oh thanks. And you have amazing timing. <laughs> the timing you're just born with. Or did you? Yeah, just, no. I, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, you know what I love timing, about you that you do. I'm going to interrupt you totally okay. just because I had an epiphany. All right. <laughs> you are a great listener, huh? and you do a kind of a delayed like, huh? I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite. Does things. it feel manner to you? It's not. I'm actually genuinely thinking about what you're no, saying. No, not at all. Okay, is that it is. It's as if it, you're translating it in your brain <laughs> as somebody is saying it to you. And this one, I thought this was one of the hallmarks of the Drew Carey show. Why isn't the Drew Carey show in syndication? Because well, it's I somewhere all the now. Time. Uh, somewhere, I think I love the Drew TV. Carey show. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a good show. I, I enjoyed uh, being on it. I it love being in front surreal. of live audience. Yeah, yeah, Drew, Drew. That was Drew's sense of humor. He was uh, he he took us in a very odd direction. Whenever I should say, when he got con- more control over the show, he took us in the directions that people now remember us for, like the musical numbers oh. um, and the and the kind of surreal aspect of it, and saying it's a show, doing a whole show about Emmy moments, for example. I think yeah. that was one of my favorite. Um, Drew Carey shows where we all walked into a spotlight and had an emotional talk about how we felt about things because his whole argument about the Emmys where they would always show not the funniest moment but like when somebody on Friends cried about something and they'd go right. oh you know and you go well, that's not actually why you watch a comedy yeah. comedy is yeah there's a little bit of heart but really you want you want some comedy yes you want to relax at the end of the day and uh, um, so yeah so we had a whole show based on like giving everybody their moment um, which I thought was a very funny show, but that—that's all Drew. Drew was very good about that. That's for sure. And um, I loved being in front of a live audience. That was really genuinely. Fun. That show was—I—I I did it. I think three times. Yeah, a bunch and, of times. And um, uh, it was my only experience, which I absolutely loved, 
of working very late at night and yeah. they would like Drew would sort of throw the script out yeah. and then somebody would come up to you on a, with like a line on a napkin. Yeah. Say this. Now say this. Now say this. Until it's just, it was just dizzying and the audience would get this crazy fever. Totally live. Yeah, totally live. And they loved it. They, they loved the fact that we were live. I mean, Drew did a very interesting thing. Um, he started... When we first started, like everybody tried to get their lines right all the time, mm-hmm. and he realized that the audience wasn't participating, so he would have one of us screw up in mm-hmm. the first scene, so the audience would go, "What just ha- happened?" Yeah, and then we would improvise a little thing, and then we'd go back and do it again. All of a sudden, they were present. Yeah, and so every single show, you might have noticed we we messed up, and we were <sighs> like, "Whatever." No one cared about messing up because we knew the audience really was with us at that point. Yes, um, and that was one of the great things. I mean, we did the first year we had some bad audiences, but then towards the end, we had like uh, one of the nightmare, probably the worst audience I've ever had. If I'm going to go on a little tangent here. Because uh, when you are on the first year, you haven't aired. Particularly when you haven't aired on your first year, mm-hmm. you have to pay an audience to come in. And so, who do you get? Who is going to be paid to be sit in an audience of a show they've never heard of? <laughs> who who are these people? And um, so, the worst one we ever had was half Marines and half Hemp Society. Great. So the Marines, we had Krista Miller on the show, was a kind of attractive uh, girl, and every time she came on stage, they'd go woo like that. Like so, we all knew that they were straight. Yeah. And so, like, they may be sitting in kind of a theatrical environment. Don't be mistaken. They are straight <laughs> men and find her attractive. Other than that, nothing. Crickets. Never laughed at a uh, thing. Yeah. Because that would be kind of giving in a little bit. That might be a little less masculine. Oh, wow. It's the worst. Hemp Society, they laughed at everything. Every single thing. But late. So they would, they would get halfway oh, through. Like, you'd hit your joke. Hysterical. Nothing happened. So now you get halfway through the next line. <laughs> well, now we can't use the joke or that next line. <coughs> so we just went, we got about halfway through the show, and Bruce Helford, our executive producer, as you remember, yes. was like, All right, I think that's it for the audience. Oh, no. <laughs> I think that's it. We're going to have everybody go home, I think. Yeah. Because it's going to be better if we just, I think that was Start the one over. time we used canned laughter on yeah. the show. Because we, could, we had no audience, essentially. Because oh. they were just, as I say, hemp society. Even when you showed them the second time, you'd think mm-hmm. like the second time they'd go, Joke's coming. No. Yes. They still were listening to it like it was completely live. Get halfway through the next line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And did you have... Um, How many I, other sitcoms did you do? How many other live, like, in front of an audience? Well, I did, did Seinfeld, which I've spoken about here before, which was incredibly intimidating. I did I the last 10 of episodes huh. of it. And, That's a big deal. And as soon as I got in the diner, I yeah. was frozen. I and I was just like... Yeah. I just kept staring at Jerry so, Seinfeld. Yeah. Was like, I'm working with Jerry I can't Seinfeld. Believe I'm here. <laughs> Can you inc- believe it, everybody? It's yeah. incredible. I know, I know. <laughs> and uh, so I felt that way on Veep. I did feel that way on Veep, mm. working with Julia and uh, um, uh, and it's, Hugh Hugh Laurie. I had a scene with just the three of us, and um, the, I, I I froze up because I was like, I can't believe I'm I can't believe I'm here. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a pitfall that you can yeah. fall into. Yeah. That you just have to like. You got to ride through it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's hard to be funny. What I realized later was that they were feeling the same way about me. Of, of course, course they <laughs> were. I, I get it. I was such a fan of the Drew Carey show, uh, you know. So I was thrilled to be on it. But then, of course, then the very first thing I had to do is be in a sleeping bag with Drew. Yeah. While, uh, <laughs> 
I think, well, a raccoon uh, watched us. And he was uh, telling me that he had bought like a $100,000 doll or something. Real dolls. Yeah, real dolls. Yeah. Before, you know, that movie came out. Right. Lars and the Real Doll, which made it cute. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was a slightly... That was before that time, though. It was slightly disconcerting. <laughs> More than slightly. To be told. Yeah. To you be uh, told that. And, yeah. Uh, and it was like, an action. An action. Yeah, there we like, go. Do you have that, like, where people... Sometimes uh, people will say things to you. I, I find men, mainly. Right before. They're nervous. They're, and they say something Very really strange right before. Right before you're supposed to make out. You know, I just watched uh, Frost Nixon last night, mm-hmm. and Nixon did that before almost every time with uh, with Frost, just to kind of throw him off. Um, just sort of interesting. No, I've never I've never had someone try to intimidate me in that way. Other or I haven't gotten it. Like I thought, oh, they're just making conversation, and and uh, and that they're terrible at it. I've never had really anyone throw. I mean, you know, a, a guy's experience is entirely different. This is what has finally coming out with the whole Me Too thing. A, right. a guy's experience in Hollywood is very, very different than uh-huh. a woman's experience. So I've never had that. Um, I've never had somebody really throw me off like that um, with me really getting it or being thrown off consciously. Yeah. Uh, Craig Ferguson also <laughs> was very nice to me on the show. Yeah, Craig's great. Um, and he was interesting because he came from a movie background. Mm. He's had an interesting career. And then he was on that show again like – Playing, I don't know, just kind of larger than life. It just became surreal. His yeah. coming on the show, and yeah, and crazy his cost. British accent was really hilarious. He was intentionally doing a pretty bad British accent because it was his revenge for all the Brits that had done terrible Scottish accents through his whole, whole childhood. That was pretty hilarious. Did you have any idea, like, as he's sitting at one of the desks or as your boss, that he would later have a talk show? It seemed he, to come out of left field. You know. When I heard that he was auditioning for it, um, he had taken his son, uh, Milo, and I had taken my son, Sebastian, to this uh, um, place nearby that has uh, trains, like decommissioned Mm -hmm. trains called Travel Town. And you meet a lot of dads there because it's fun to take your son there Mm because kids love engines. And guys do, too, if we're honest about it. So you get to walk around the engine and all this to climb over. Anyway, I heard that he was auditioning for it and... Up until that moment, I hadn't thought that he would be a good talk show host. But when he told me, I went, oh, wow, you are so perfect for that. Yeah. Because he's very, very quick-witted. And um, also, um, he's a good listener. Yeah. And uh, uh, he takes in what you're saying, like a good improviser, mm-hmm. and, and runs with it. And uh, um, you know that whole bit that he did of just tearing up the notes or whatever was was real. It was legit. He just yeah. kind of winged it, which I, which I liked. You do a great thing, too, which is that you do the research and you wing it. You're doing both. Oh, I do both. Yeah. Well, I love talking to people. Um, yeah. Okay. So then uh, after uh, – I want to talk about some of your movies aside okay. from uh, Drew Carey. And yeah. I didn't uh, – I also want to mention Ryan Stiles. Genius. You had you, such great chemistry. And again, you guys knew how to ride laughs. <laughs> Thanks. No. It was, yeah. You know, that talk about, like, as I said, my memory bank. Of, yeah. uh, we were, when you asked me about we other sitcoms, shameless. 
how we would work the audience. Yeah. But that was genius. <laughs> I mean, it was. I miss. Have you guys done anything together since? Drew no, Carey? I'm trying oh. to get him on to American Housewife. I really want oh. to get him on American Housewife. So um, we're done for the year. Maybe next year. Um, yeah. He's expressed some interest in it, which is basically like, all the green light the guys need in order to get him on. So I'm hoping that, that it works out. He is. He is truly. Um, uh, you know, genius is a word that is tossed around. Uh, all the time, but he is—he is—he uh, has one. Yeah. Well, as a comedy duo, I mean, I was standing in a shadow. I was very lucky to be uh, to be around someone that incredibly, to, meteorically talented. Yeah. Just truly amazing. Just just like a sparkler, just fun to watch. Um, uh. And uh, and I just went with it, you know. Uh, he taught me yes and, which is the greatest rule, and mm-hmm. so I just went with whatever he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I absolutely delighted when I made him laugh. Like, and I could see him laugh at something because he he was so reluctant a laugher that you could see it like crumble inside him. Like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> you guys are great together. Okay, let's talk about. It. So I I did as I said I did my research. I I love that you are you wanted to be a Shakespearean actor. Yes. Yeah. You know, what is your favorite Shakespeare play? Um, Othello, without a doubt. Wow. Yeah. I love that it's on an island. I think about it all the time um, mm-hmm. because, uh, in a weird way, fame is like an island. Mm-hmm. And uh, Othello could only happen on an island because mm-hmm. uh, otherwise someone would come up and go, your wife's great, dude. It's fine. It's, you're, you're doing great. It's fine. You're, you're a good dude. Um, so uh, that's probably my favorite. Yeah, I was going to be a Shakespearean actor up until um, – this is to digress, but I'm going to tell a story yes. about um, working with older actors. Okay, so uh, I was going to be a Shakespearean actor. I had given up the idea of being a screen actor, and I was really inspired. And then I went uh, on vacation with my parents to Santa Fe, New Mexico. I went to a dinner party uh, of a local artist. My mother was an artist, and she knew artists everywhere. And um, a casting director was at the dinner party. And she said, uh, you should come in and read. And I went, no, I'm going to be a Shakespearean actor. <laughs> and she goes, just for the experience, why don't you come in and just have, have a read, see what you think. And um, my parents actually encouraged me to go. So I was like, all right, I'll go. So I, I read for the young uh, gunslinger role. It's going to be cast as a local onesie. And she goes, you're really funny. And I go, thanks. She goes, not a funny role. So, <laughs> but you're naturally funny. So I think you should read for the young deputy role. Now, it's a regular, so the guys would have to approve you. It's not going to be a local part. You're going to be competing against people in Los Angeles. It's kind of a Barney Fife character. I was like... I don't know. Then, uh, then after like five auditions, I uh, really wanted it. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe that it was what was coming out of my mouth. They were like, can you ride down the middle of the street shooting people off the top of the roof at full gallop? Both guns out with explosions happening. You're, you're a local. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I can. I can do that. <laughs> so I had no idea I was going to pull that off. Sure enough, didn't. Um, because... The camera never lies, but that was my first close-up ever, but uh, was uh, shooting guys off the roof, which was kind of fun anyway. Anyway, I got to be friends with the cast, as you do, and there was an actor in it, Lee Debro, and um, Lee Debro had been around a really long time. I recognized him, and uh, so it was, the, I guess, like a Friday or something like that, and he goes, hey, so, Beta, what are you doing uh, tonight? And I go, I'm going to go see you at Chinatown, and he goes, oh, yeah? And I go, mm-hmm, and he goes, have you ever seen it? And I went, no. <laughs> and he goes, like that. And I thought, that's 
just kind of a weird thing to do. He's sort of an odd dude. Didn't get that before this moment, but you're sort of strange, aren't you? So I was like, okay, Lee. Well, I guess I'll see you later. And uh, so I'm in Chinatown, and uh, Jack Nicholson gets his uh, nose cut open because he's nosy, right? And then there's uh, some cops. Cops give him a hard time. And a young Lee bro walks in and goes like this to Jack Nicholson. And I went, oh, I know that guy. <laughs> and he just did that gesture to me. And now it was just for me. And I am here now. And I realized how incredibly cool it is to yeah. have a moment in your life frozen like amber, like smoke, this beautiful thing that we do together. And then all of a sudden, it's just there forever. It's yeah. there forever yeah. now. And I went, I want to be a screen actor. I want to be a screen actor. I didn't know. <laughs> and then that was it. Lead bro. I never said that to him. <coughs> I don't even know if he's still alive now. What a great story. That is a great story. Um, I know. Right? No. Isn't that good? And I was like, okay, weird old guy. <laughs> you did that to me once. I was at a reading. But, uh, I, but I, again, in my idiocy, I was uh, sitting next to, um, which I totally planned. It's like... Tom Arnold and Daniel Day-Lewis. Right. We were doing a reading with Paul Newman. Wow. So, of course, I was like... Yeah, got to meet Paul Newman. got to find, get the chair next yeah, to yeah, Paul Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. And I had it in because he worked with my grandfather. Yeah. But, um... So Where did I, you work with your grandfather on? Uh, HUD. He was, HUD, right. So, but anyway, I, I, I planned it so... So perfectly, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Can I get you some water, Mr. Newman? I suddenly genius, you know. And he goes, "I'd like some water." And I was oh. like, "Perfect." Got the water and right. then sat right next to him. Right, yeah, yeah, genius. But anyway, so I said, "My grandfather, blah blah blah." But anyway, just as we were about to read, he did that, and I was like, "Is he doing the thing from the sting? Like, is he doing?" Oh, right, the whole yeah, right, very good. But I didn't know. I was like, yeah. But I, I didn't know. Speaking of the sting, your grandfather <coughs> also worked with Robert Redford in The Candidate, right? Yes, The yeah. Candidate. Oh, incredible film. It was a great movie. I love it. What that. do we do now? One of the best lines ever. Oh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. He loved that movie, and I got to talk to Robert Redford about that, too. Okay. Did you? Oh, how cool is that? Yeah, he. Well, I was. I don't want to talk about me, but I, the uh, this movie I did, uh, uh, I auditioned for a film. You ever had this happen? Mm. I've ha- had this happen like. A lot. Okay, what is it? Okay, audition for a film. Yeah. I do not get the part. The That's big, happened to me a lot. Big part. Okay. And they go, you know, but we like you we so like much. We like around. And we like, would you cons- Would you just come in and do this just yeah. a day, but yeah. would you consider doing it? Yeah. And then you're stuck. And you're stuck there. Because well, if you don't sad. do it, right. you look like a bad sport. You're a bad sport. So that's what happened with Mr. Redford. And I played uh, Ray Fine's girlfriend. The part was cut from the film. Oh, in the quiz show. Yeah. yeah, Ray Fiennes, which who, I hated, who had been in because yeah. uh, it needed a little more Eliana Douglas. Let's be real. That's the thing I was missing most. Yeah. Yeah. Ray Fiennes had just come off of a movie. Maybe you've heard of it, Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. talked to me about yeah. the whole time. Right. It was cut for Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes talked to you about it the whole time. Yes, oh, that was fun. Yes, I played his girlfriend. Was, was he interesting? Was he? A oh, good guy? lovely, lovely guy. Yeah. But Robert played, Redford, uh, Van Dorn. Yeah, but yeah, Robert Redford on the day. I've got no. I've got like two lines in this thing. In this, yeah. so I'm in two scenes. Yeah, and Robert Redford, is, you know, he's is uh, Mr. Red, I get this thing. Mr. Redford would like to see you in his trailer. Oh, I go to his what's trailer. Uh, what's happening now? Okay, he says, "Come here, Ileana, Come, can I get you something? Tea? Yeah. Water? That would have worked." Mm-hmm. Talks yeah. about what he talks about. My grandfather, but but, but he, like 
after the first hour, he goes, do you know the writer Richard Lagravenis? Richard, come in here. This is Ileana Douglas. Her grandmother is like, you know, the AD, like people are going insane. We're in hour two. (laughs) Hour two. He does what he wants. He's Robert Redford. There's extras that Ray finds who was just in a little movie called Schindler's Schindler's List. List, yeah. Yeah. And I come out of this trailer. Right. I've been anointed. Right. To, to of course, you're like a goddess, yeah. And then I'm... How do they all know that I'm, you were... I mean, not to be too sexist about it. How do they know you were talking that whole time? I don't oh. know. If I were sitting there and the trailer door was closed, I might be thinking something else. Really? Well, just kind of like maybe talking a little here and there. I think he likes to talk. Well, plus, Rich, Richard Legravenesque was there for some at some point. That might have thrown me a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. you know what? <laughs> also... That's when I was with Mr. Scorsese, so I don't oh, think there they would have been. Don't want to mess with Scorsese. Been, there would have yeah. been death involved with that. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, Beverly Hills. Uh, Hillbillies? Yeah, Beverly Hillbillies. You work with Penel- Penelope Spheris right Spiris. after she did Wayne's World. That's right. And um, how did that come about? Um, she had directed um, the pilot and then the first couple of episodes right. of the series that I did, my first series, That's uh, right. called Danger Theater, where I played the searcher. Mm-hmm. And um, so she and I got along on that, and mm-hmm. she fought very hard for me to get uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. Fought very hard for it. Yeah, and uh, I only got it because of her. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, you know, um, the picture was not uh, very good. I mm-hmm. don't think it really holds up. Mm-hmm. Although I haven't seen it since it came out. Well, it's got a great cast. Lily Tomlin. I mean, Lily Tomlin was lovely to work with. Cloris Leachman. Dabney Coleman. Still the best timing I've ever been around. In oh my god. Dabney it, Coleman has the best time. Have you ever worked with Dabney? I have not. I've worked with Cloris Leachman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, tell me about Dabney Coleman. He seems that he's a little intimidating for me. I loved him. But he's like, I mean, green, like Tootsie. Oh, yeah. Tootsie's great in. Nine to five. Yeah. And what's fascinating about being with him is his timing is really the best thing that he has. Mm-hmm. And he, he in my experience of dealing with funny people, he still, to this day, has the best timing wow. of anyone I've... He is the only one who's really broken me um, while I'm shooting with him because his timing is so perfect. Yeah. So diamond-like um, that uh, <sighs> he's it. unassailable. Mm-hmm. So I started re-watching films as I was working with him that he was in um, just to see why I didn't know his timing was so amazing. Mm -hmm. And I found that every time I laughed, he was in a two-shot. And it was his own timing and not the editor's shot. Uh, Not the editor's timing. It's Uh his timing. And uh, like in 9 to 5, for example, he'll do some scenes with uh, uh, Jane Fonda where he's funny, yeah, because he's curmudgeonly and he's dark and edgy. But when he really made me laugh was when it was he was in a two shot and was able to take his own timing based mm-hmm. on what she said. He would say something else, even though the line wasn't particularly funny. Right. The way he thought about it, and then the way he responded was genuinely funny. And uh, I, I just, I, I worship that guy's timing. I think, I think he's really masterful. Were you able to tell him that? Oh uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I did. I mean, I think when I first started working with him, he thought, you know, I was this rookie kid because I kept laughing when uh, I was working with him. And I wasn't laughing with anybody else, which he didn't know. Of right. course, why would he? Um, but I thought he was really genuinely, genuinely funny. And, and, yeah. uh, uh, and so, but after a while, I was like, I'm sorry, I just have to tell you that. Um, and he goes, no, I get it. It's hard to work with uh, somebody you grew up watching. And I went, no, that's not it. Your timing oh. is just so impeccable. It's throwing me off. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't. I can't wait to hear what you have to say because you take this perfect pause and I'm like, he's going to say something. It's going to be good. 
and then I laugh. Uh, so, you know, he was happy about that. But, I love uh, that. Yeah. Well, I feel you have the same quality. Well, I learned it from Downey Coleman then, whenever I have. But, uh, um, but, but I, yeah, no, that was, I, it was fun. It was I, fun to work with him. Jim Farney was also really fun to work with. Yes. Yeah. And any crazy uh, Cloris Leachman stories? Yeah, if you want to hear him, because everybody says she's bonkers, and it's, it's oh, pretty, pretty she's close nuts. to true. I've done two. I mean, yeah. in a lovely way, I've done two films with her. She's completely crazy. Although <clears throat> we went in, both um, the first conversation I really had with mm-hmm. Dabney was that Cloris Leishman was the best he had ever been with. I can't use the actual words because I was told earlier that I can't curse. Yes. But he told me that she was the best he had ever been with. Wow. And I have heard subsequently that Warren Beatty also said that. <gasps> and I was like, Warren Beatty. So three a day for like 80 years. And she and was Cloris best. is number one. Number one. Made you think. Wow. Like, number one. Yeah. Okay. That's that's pretty high up there. I'm like, writing there's that no down. Number. There's no there's saying. number that's higher than that. Okay, so my Cloris Leachman story is this. So Penelope... <laughs> As uh, if you could. <laughs> Penelope was tough to take notes from. She yelled. She was a yeller on the set. Although I personally liked her, she yelled. And um, like because I was brought up in a waspy family, mm. um, no one raised their voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was unaccustomed to anyone yelling. Mm-hmm. And um, so I shut down when that happens. Like, sure. As, uh, you know, everyone who's dated me uh, would know that if you start yelling at me, that's not going to help anything. It's I'm not going to fight with you. Yeah. It's not going to happen. That's not how a fight with me goes. Right. We're going to have a discussion or I'm going to leave. Right. Um, so uh, it frustrates people that get frustrated at me because I'm like, I can't engage like that. I don't yell. So that's not going to happen. Yeah. If you want... A boyfriend that yells at you, you should probably move on. Um, Anyway, so she was a yeller and gave some notes that I didn't necessarily like very much sometimes. And Mm -hmm. I would sneak in stuff, um, a lot of which made it in the movie, I'll say. But anyway, Cloris would also give me notes, which were directly contradictory to the notes I was getting from Penelope. So I was getting notes from Penelope and from Cloris, two very Mm -hmm. strong women who both wanted their way. Whenever I didn't do what either one of them said to do, they would get really, really mad at me. And there's a recurring theme, people getting mad at me. So um, so she got mad at me, and, and finally, um, the only time I've ever really lost it with someone was mm. with Cloris, because she came up and gave me a note, and I had just been yelled at by Penelope, and we're up into three, four weeks now. And I took her aside, and I said, you have to stop. And she goes, what? I'm just trying to give you... And I called her all kinds of curse words. I just let it rip in a way that I'd never heard myself speak. Mm-hmm. And I shut her down, and I was borderline mean to her. And she giggled like a little girl, like it was the funniest thing and most charming thing that anyone had ever done in her life. And then um, she kept trying to get me to be mad at her. And I'm a hard nut to crack, but it is possible. So I started getting mad at her, and she loved it more and more. The more I got mad at her, the more she loved it. ADs noticed this. It was difficult to get her out of her trailer. So they would have me go get her out of her trailer. I'd bang on her door. God damn it! What are you doing in there? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, dude. I'll come back. Don't I? <laughs> God damn it. Get out. Okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'd come down and she'd go <laughs> like that. I was like, all right, just go. Good God. Like that. So anyway, she loved it. Um, so oh my God. end of the movie, end of the shoot, beginning of the movie. Yeah. We're shooting in Northern California for Arkansas. And um, it's like Sonoma. Beautiful. So it's the opening scene, and uh, Jethro's supposed to be eating like a ton of stuff. And she has managed 
to get into everybody's close-up. Uh, whenever their line is, she's in the background. It's that's pretty remarkable, like yeah. how she was able to block her scene we, so that we, we're behind yeah. Yeah. everyone, stealing focus every time. It's incredible. Yeah. So by that point, I was like, you're not going to steal focus from me. I know exactly what you're doing. So while you are on camera, I'm going to do something so hammy, there's no way anyone's going to be looking at you. I don't know why it was a contest at that point. Anyway, she, we, we just shot the master, which she managed to get herself in a new shot. And, uh, and she comes up and she goes, I have one note. And I was like... We have gone over this. She goes, just one note. I just really, we've gone over it. <laughs> and I storm off into the woods. And I go have a pee. So I'm having a pee. Chorus Leachman comes up to me. Starts talking to me. I'm like, Chorus, for God's sakes. I'm urinating. She goes, oh. Drops her pants. Her panties. Pees right next to me. And I go, all right, what's the note? <laughs> <laughs> I've done two movies with Chorus, and yeah. you have captured her more in a way. Oh, that, thanks. That is, yeah. <laughs> she's quite a character. Oh, she's crazy. But like again, when you were describing her, you know, whatever scene you do, you're like, why is Chorus taking silverware? She's, she's in my shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Suddenly, not only doing silverware, but also doing like whatever she can in the background, like <laughs> oh. this, where you're like, yeah, what? I can hear the book. She, yeah. she was doing a we, we, she was doing a death scene in which she was like she refused to die yeah. in the death scene. The direct way that like Peter we, Sellers in the party, yeah. yeah. She's like still dying. Yeah. Like die already. She yeah. was like, I think I'm just napping and then I die off screen. Yeah, she no, was trying to convince yeah, the director. The director. Yeah, that she's not going to die in the yeah. picture where she's supposed to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, they're comforting her, and later she dies. Oh no, it's it's like, that was a, that was a crazy. Yeah, I wish I wish that I'd worked with her twice. I would love to have worked with her again. I loved bumping into her. She was very social, <coughs> and you know, just really charming. She's a very charming woman. You know, she's lovely to be around. Yeah, um, she's unbelievable. She also said we had an AD that was rather large, and he was trying oh, to. That's going to be. Yeah, yeah he, be he was trying to diet all the time, and yeah. he, he was upset because somebody said something to him. And she said, "What? What's the matter, Brian?" And she said, "Well." You know, uh, Kevin said I look fat. And she said, oh, honey, the the world thinks you look fat, you know. Like, <laughs> just as if it were that would not be a problem. I know. So anyway. um, I did a uh, CSI, uh, CSI. Yes. That was written by Chuck Lorre. Mm-hmm. It was called Two and a Half Murders. And um, oh my God, that sounds like an old manic. It was a, where um, it was supposed to be like because uh, he had worked with um, Roseanne. Yes, and so it's about the murderer of Roseanne, and the murderer is actually Tom, a Tom Arnold type character. So the Roseanne character was played by Katie Segal. The Tom Arnold character was played by myself. And, right, and I thought Tom was going to remember this when he walked up. Had no memory of it whatsoever, so I was absolutely delighted. <laughs> another, another recurring yeah. theme. And so Katie Segal, Katie Segal goes. Uh, so you worked with Chorus? I was like, yeah, I worked with Chorus. She said, I grew up next to Chorus, and I went, oh, she's what a lovely, charming woman. I hate Chorus. I was like, how could you hate Chorus? It's fantastic. What are you talking about? I was a chubby child, oh, and uh... all she did was make me feel bad. 
about me being chubby. And I think I have, you know, the weight issues that I have about trying to stay skinny all the time because yeah. of Cloris Leachman. And I was like, oh, that's, I, I get how that would be really horrible. I'm sure Chorus would look at you now and say, you look great. And that would just irritate the hell out of you. Yeah. Because, yeah, you do look great. At the same time, <laughs> it's torture. Yeah. And she tortured you. Yeah, yeah. No, she had us a thing about you, people's health. Yeah. You aren't going to win with Chloris. That's yeah. the thing. You just have to, like, not, you know, you just have to go, okay, this is it. And this is, you know. She's obsessed about her own health. She's lasted a long time and, and yeah. been uh, as sharp as a tack. Um, my wife uh, worked in the, uh, as a kind of manager, house manager of the Westport Country Playhouse. And um, Chloris was coming through Westport with a show. And uh, it was in between the matinee and the evening um, show. And, uh, my wife was in the lobby getting all the programs, you know, tucking them into little things to make sure everything was all right. And, uh, of course, Leishman comes out and goes, and my wife goes, then she was a teenager. She was like, uh, Miss, Lord, Miss Leishman, can I, can I help you with anything? She goes, come with me. She goes, all right. <laughs> uh, so she follows her through the theater. She's like, Miss Leishman, is there anything, is there anything particularly wrong backstage? Come with me, come with me. You have to see this. I said, all right, is there something wrong that you want me to? Because I can go, no, just come with me. They walk backstage down the stairs. Did you ever do the Westport Country Playhouse? Uh, no, but I've oh, been there. Big, it's a big barn. Yeah, there, of there. course, beautiful. Yeah. Well, now the Newman took over. It's fantastic, but it used to be kind of beat up. But yeah. lots of people performed there. It was really great. Um, anyway, so uh, they go down <laughs> into the, like, the dressing area. And they walk into the dressing area. My wife's like, is there anything with your dressing room that I can help you with? Because that's a different department, but I'd be happy to come with me. She walks into the bathroom and she goes, um, is there something wrong? And she goes, look, I want you to look. And my wife is like, oh no. Okay. She gets closer and closer, closer. And there is an albino poop. And she goes, it's a pure white poop. And my wife goes, Congratulations. <laughs> she goes, thank you. I had to show somebody. And then just flushes it. Where she's, she's one of a kind. All right. Let's get your oh call. Gosh. We're going to run out of time. We oh, got, sorry, it. Sorry, we got, we got like two minutes. Only two minutes. Yeah. Uh, watch America and the Housewife. <laughs> yes, watch American Housewife, yeah. of course. Um, but when you do, you're, you've got these uh, two cult movies that you're yeah. in. Napoleon okay. Dynamite and The Office Place, yeah. Are you thrilled that you're in a cult movie oh, like totally. that? People can, can come up. I mean, for me, it's Ghost World. I've got a couple others. Ghost World is awesome. But people come up and quote yeah. the lines. Oh, yeah. You know? Because it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, people know every line of, uh, of Office Space. And I always wanted to be in a cult movie, too. Being a cult movie, it's like. Uh, um, so great. It's like when John Lennon saying a working class hero is something to be. Like being a cult movie actor is something to be and yeah. it's uh, something i'm very delighted every time i've tried to make a studio picture they have done badly i don't know if that's my taste or me or whatever yeah but doing an indie and having it go is something that's sort of exhilarating you know you go on a set there's a skeleton crew and uh uh, uh frankly no one really gets these scripts lots of agents go well there's there's this yeah and then, like no one wanted me to do napoleon dynamite there was nobody in it they had no money and yeah you know uh and, you know, the director hadn't directed anything. Yeah. And, uh, um, but I thought it was funny. That was that. And so I just showed up, you know. Um, 
Is this after the ninth or between the eighth and ninth year of the Drew Carey show? So as you're shooting it, did you feel like like when I was doing Ghost World, which I often say it plays better now than when it came out, but I knew we were on to something, yeah. even if only three people saw it. Yeah. Um, when I met John um, and when I tried on my pants, those oh, are the two things. Because that script, Napoleon Dynamite, uh, yeah. made me laugh so much. Yeah. I still think it's actually a funnier script than it is a movie. Wow. Um, I could not stop laughing. My wife That's told great. me to shut up. That's how much I was laughing because I read it in funny. bed. And, um, and she was trying to go to sleep and yeah. I could not contain myself. I could not contain myself. He reminded me of this guy I went to school with named John Bartholomew, mm-hmm. um, who was just the weirdest kid I'd ever met and would do things like eat his chapstick. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but never with anyone else seeing him. Like It was a, something I would only see. We were in basketball practice, and it was like when, you know, because I'm an old guy, so he would like, it was when the flavor chapstick just came out. Yeah. And, and he was like, he was just putting it on like it was the most exquisite, sensual thing in the world. And then goes... <laughs> eats it and I was standing in line in the basketball practice and I was like did you Bartholomew and they go what just, he just ate his chapstick no, he, he look over and he's like no, putting he it in his pocket no he didn't no he didn't I swear to you that <laughs> yeah so he reminded me of John Bartholomew who I just called out on the yeah anyway uh, the uh, the have you done any Dramas? I mean, aside from the television I prefer not to. stuff? Yeah, I prefer not to. I prefer doing comedies because I feel great at the end of the day. Yeah. You do a drama, you feel sad at the end of the day. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm not into it. So, <laughs> <laughs> even if you were offered, I, well, I don't, I don't either. I like to do co- comedies. Yeah, com- the, you know, uh, comedies are fun. I, I have a good time. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I enjoy a set. Mm-hmm. I enjoy keeping a set very lively. Uh, uh, I tell too many stories on a set. Oh, I, see, I keep I would... everything bubbling along. Yeah. Um, uh, you can't do that on a drama because everybody's concentrating so much. And I'm That's like, true. hey, <laughs> where's the party? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I get that some people consider it an, a, a serious career. I right. consider it a really fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it seems like it. I yeah. Mean... I like to have a good time. The uh, my last question: When you're relaxing, like what are the kind of you said you like to watch old movies? I what, do. What are some of the what are some of your favorites that you like that I can watch over and over again? Yeah, or that you can um, recommend? Oh, that I can recommend. That's sort of interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the uh, you said Chaplin. Yeah, I mean, I would say, uh, I mean, you know, everybody would say Gold Rush, but I would say uh, at the circus. Mm-hmm. Um, has some really funny bits in there. There's mm-hmm. a donkey that truly hates him, and it's a recurring bit. It's never explained, but it's truly funny. Oh There's a monkey that attacks his face, which has to be one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Uh-huh. I saw it first when I was a kid, and I almost exploded. And every time I watch it with my kids, <laughs> yeah. I laugh like I've lost my mind. Yeah. Because the monkey is beating up the star. And there's no CGI anything. The monkey's like, whack, 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 like that. And yeah. he's taking it. And it's hilarious. If you don't laugh at that, then I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, do you like say, Laurel and Hardy? Do you, I do. I Sons like of the Laurel Desert. and yeah, Hardy. Yeah, sure. Sons of the Desert are great. I think the shorts are, are better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think this, they're silence, uh, mm-hmm. especially the ones um, directed by George, not Saunders, Summers. Oh, man, I can't believe I can't pull this out. But uh, uh, he directed a number of their uh, silent shorts. And mm-hmm. they're they're truly great. Yeah. I mean, because they had that sweetness that I, I really, really love. I mean, I love that edge, too. But I, there's nothing I love more than a sweetness. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, um, 
I love, uh, you know, I love Billy Wilder for his cynical edge, but uh, I, I do love George Cukor for his sadness mm-hmm. and for his sweetness. I love Shop Around the Corner. I would say oh, if... Ernest Lubitsch. I love Lubitsch so much. Like, yeah. I would say To Be or Not To Be is one of the funniest movies ever made. I, I agree. Um, just pound for pound. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, has seen... one of my favorite lines ever in it. Which is? Which, which is, how did, who gave them the key? <laughs> Uh, it's just when they they ask how the Nazis broke into the theater, and and he's like, "Who gave them the key?" And everyone looks at him like, "They're they're Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need a key." But he plays an idiot all the way through. He's really genuine. I love him. I'd say yeah. all the time, "Because Heil Hitler, Heil yourself, Heil yourself." Seems like I should say something. Yeah, it's great. And the voiceover in the beginning is great. Yeah. We have to go. I'm really sorry. We have have a deadline. We have to go. Look for Dietrich on American Housewife. Also, he's on Twitter at Bader, B-A-D-E-R underscore Diedrich, D-I-E-D-R-I-C-H. Died rich. That's we, it. We, we covered Dead a lot rich. of territory. Exactly. We did. Thank we you. We could have covered more movies. I, I wish we had another hour. Please come back. Will you I'll come back? We learned a lot about your your uh, family. I think that's fascinating. Well, you're a true, um, you know, even though you're German. Like 1870, was, we moved here. We're pretty, pretty American. German. German. That Anthony Hopkins story. <laughs> right? he was so that one's for the books. And the chorus. I can't, I'm, in, I'm in heaven. Oh, oh my gosh. All righty. As, as we always say, uh, everyone's life is like a movie with mm. a beginning, a middle, and an end. And this is the end of our movie today. Thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, really we'll see you time. soon. Yeah, thanks. thanks. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. From producers uh, Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.